0: It was unseasonably cool on Wednesday night, June 9th, 1999. Picture it. Radios all across the country were blaring Jennifer Lopez's If you had my love and I gave you all my trust, would you comfort me? It was the number one song in the country. I'm painting a picture here. Slobodan Milosevic signed a peace treaty to pull his troops out of Kosovo. But all anyone could talk about, that's not really true, but go with me, was what happened at Shea Stadium in Flushing, Queens. It was the third game of a homestand series against the toronto blue jays the birds took a 3-0 lead into the bottom of the ninth where the metropolitans had one last at bat the great ricky henderson was up first but grounded out followed by an edgardo alfonso single to right field john olerud was next hit one back to the pitcher who got the force at second two outs next up mike piazza singles to center olerud moves to third after piazza steals second uncontested Robin Ventura fires a single up the middle to score both. Jays 3, Mets 2, and we got ourselves an old fashioned rally here, ladies and gentlemen. The Blue Jays change pitches, but it doesn't matter because the Mets' Brian McCray laces a double into left field, scoring pinch runner Luis Lopez, and we're headed to extra innings. In the top of the 12th, the Blue Jays are threatening. After a Shannon Stewart single, Mets' catcher, the aforementioned Mike Piazza, correctly signals for a pitch out and tries to catch Stewart, stealing second. But wait just a minute. Home plate umpire Randy Marsh calls Piazza for interference. Stewart is safe at second. Grebeck is awarded first. Mets skipper Bobby Valentine. Bobby V, the big ragu, nobody calls him that, is red hot pissed. Bobby makes the trip out to home plate to argue the call. And while there's no official record of what was said, many experts, it's really just me, believe that Bobby Valentine may have called the umpire a butthole. Don't believe that I just made it up. Regardless of what was said, the umpire tosses Bobby Valentine out of the game, ejected, hit the showers, Bobby V. And now here's where the story gets interesting. Just four days prior on June 5th, the Mets extended a season-long losing streak to eight games with a 6-3 loss to the Yankees. After the game, Mets general manager Steve Phillips fired bullpen coach Randy Neiman pitching coach Bob Apodaca and hitting coach Tom Robson all without ever consulting or even discussing it with their boss and team manager, the big ragu Bobby Valentine, nobody calls him that. In addition to trusted confidants and coworkers, two of those men are also Bobby Valentine's good friends. Bobby's distraught. He's worried ownership might be running him out of town on a rail. And on top of it all, management replaces those three coaches with three men from within the organization, but who've never worked with Bobby directly. So now, remember our situation on the night of the 9th, 12th inning, Mets trying to rally from a recent 8-game losing streak, Bobby V fearful of his own firing and now ejected from a game for who knows, maybe calling the umpire a butthole, we're not certain. Valentine goes back into the clubhouse where, as the story goes, Robin Ventura urged his manager to go back to the game, go back into the dugout and manage the team because the coaches who remained were brand new and completely untrusted. But Bobby Valentine has been ejected, tossed, thrown out, so there's nothing he can do, right? Well, Robin Ventura gives Valentine a t-shirt and a hat. The Big Ragu finds himself a pair of sunglasses and two strips of that adhesive eye-black baseball players stick on their face under their eyes to cut down on glare. Valentine sticks them on his face under his nose, creating a world-class fake mustache. Bobby Valentine goes back to manage the game in disguise. It lasts for, I don't know, maybe a minute as television cameras immediately spot Bobby. Bobby Valentine's the dugout. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Give me <that>. Give me... <laughs> well, Bobby was thrown out on that catcher's interference call and he's gone incognito. Sorry, Skip, we got you. The announcers did get him, but the umpires never did. Valentine managed the rest of the game, and the Mets won. This is First Battle. (laughs) Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and inducts them into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. I am your host, Neil, the podcast Jordan Clarkson, the long-lost Gasol brother, the man who firmly believes he's eaten more than 25,000 M&Ms. The Bobby Valentine mustache is a great moment in sports, but is it First Ballot Hall of Fame worthy? That's what we're here today to decide, and here to make that decision with me is one of my favorite comedians, He's written for Close Enough on HBO Max, Solar Opposites on Hulu, Lights Out with David Spade, The Late Late Show with James Corden, and The Lucas Brothers Moving Company. It's Mr. Sean O'Connor. Sean, thank you for being on the show, sir.
1: I'm so excited. Like, I, I honestly, the topic is like something that's so near and dear to my heart, uh, and I'm, I'm excited to fight so hard for Bobby
0: Valentine. This is a, this is gonna be great. Okay, before we get into this, I also want to mention how much I enjoy just talking with you. You're an old friend of mine now and i really enjoy just talking with you so i think this is going to be a lot of fun i want to start with how many m&ms do you think you've eaten do you think you've had twenty five thousand m m&ms it's about 56 um, candies per bag i went about eight bags a year i think that's like the floor and I, you know i'm I, you know over over the number of years i've been alive plus you've got to think trail mix birthday cakes ice cream specialties Holiday varietals, bowls at parties, movie theaters. I feel like I've had w- w- well over twenty five thousand M Ms. Oh, I think I, I I'm I've got to be in the seventy thousands.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh just God. Uh, just because I'm thinking. All right, so uh, peanut M Ms are Delicious. my go to travel food. I love this. So I love this. A- every time I'm on a plane, I have to have right. like. The big bag, so I'm like eating the big bag, like not even like you know like uh, the the step above king, right? Like yeah, like a like a tech billionaire bag, uh, and like I'm I, yeah, like I go yeah, I'll eat the whole thing. So if there's like 58 in a regular bag, we're talking like at least 116 in this bag, <laughs> and I flew so much in my twenties
0: great answer I love it 70,000 was his number 70,000 that's a lot of fun Sean before we get into our moment let's table set what's your favorite sport your favorite team and your favorite athlete of all time okay favorite sport
1: baseball uh, which I hate saying because it does make me sound <laughs> like a white supremacist <laughs> uh, but I love it I love it it's like it was the sport I was best at and I and I'm a huge New York Mets fan uh, my favorite team of all time an obsession. If I had a tattoo, it would be a Mets tattoo. But I'm too afraid of needles. <laughs> and then uh, my favorite uh, athlete of all time is Ken Griffey Jr. Because,
0: oh, yeah, he made answer. baseball cool. Like he, he was absolutely
1: did a yeah. gorgeous
0: swing. Do you? But here's the thing: uh, Ken Griffey Jr. never played for the Mets. So no. did you just appreciate him as he broke in? Like, how did that sort of fandom start?
1: Okay, so an interesting thing about Ken Griffey Jr., he almost played for the Mets and turned down the trade because he refused to play for the Mets. Is that true? That is true. Before he went to the Reds, the Mariners had a deal in place to get him, and he had a a small no-trade clause, and he said, wholesale, I will not play for the New York Mets, which which should make me hate him, but it only makes me respect him more because he knew... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like you can't have a guy who is like a generational talent who was kind of derailed a little bit by injuries. Injury. come to a team that like everyone gets like fifteenth right. century diseases when they play right. for the Mets. <laughs> like he would have, he would have played for the Mets. Yeah, he, he would have played sixty games and then like uh, had a big
0: funeral at Chase right. Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love that you respect his boundaries. Uh, and still uh, still refer to him as your favorite athlete of all time. That's fantastic.
1: All time. Because he was so cool. It was also like he had a, the best video game of any athlete. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball and Super Nintendo is like a top five video game for me. My favorite sports video game of all time. Uh, he's in a movie, Little Big League, where he just, <laughs> he like ruins the main character's like success. That's <laughs> he, He's a villain in a kid's movie. And, like, he's not bad at all. He's just so talented that, like, he robs this little boy of feeling good at the end of the movie. That's amazing. a <laughs> backwards hat, it. which was, like, the coolest person,
0: uh, the coolest thing you could do in the 90s. It's super cool. Um, what do you love about baseball? What is it about the game of baseball that you love? I mean, I knew that was going to be your answer. But what is it that you love about baseball? I think baseball, for the record, I think baseball is underloved, and I don't know why. You know, I
1: do think it just feels old and antiquated, and it's not fast. And I do think, like, as uh, we've evolved as people, like, taking three hours out of the time to watch, like non action right uh is a lot to ask of somebody yeah. but what i like about baseball is truly like i have like very good memories growing up and going yeah. to like mets games right. and then on top of that like i like the nerdy aspects of it mm-hmm. like i like keeping score i like mm-hmm. statistics mm-hmm. like i used to memorize baseball cards so i'm like yeah i know i hate i hate it i hate it so much but the players are like they i would i would bet that baseball players cheat on their wives more than any other athlete
0: <laughs> what makes you say that the long season the long
1: season it's yeah. it's double the length of everyone yeah. and like yeah there's yeah. like you're right I math mean, is on your side yeah math is on my side here i mean like there's still there's some players that i believe don't cheat on their wives uh mark can on the new york mets i do not believe cheats on his wife because his instagram is all about how he's a foodie uh and, but like i guarantee i guarantee there's so many other players that do
0: who who do you have anyone that you're willing to go out on a limb right now and say you are certain that this person cheats on their spouse uh current
1: players no but okay. i guarantee i mean i've heard it told countless times Mark Grace from the Chicago Cubs in the 90s, uh, he, 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 whatever he was slumping, he admitted on radio shows that he would, he would go to a bar and hook up with the ugliest woman he could find as a slump buster. You're putting me would- on. He would talk about it all the time.
0: Is this, you? so you're telling a true story? I thought you just pulled Mark Grace to be fun, like as a funny random name.
1: He's a very funny random name, but no, <laughs> he's like legendarily
0: like bragging about cheating on his wife. <laughs> oh my God. That's, listen, that as a married man, that is not funny. It's not funny. I don't, <laughs> I, I say
1: tisk, tisk, Mark Grace.
0: <laughs> uh, I think baseball, uh, maybe people are expecting it to be something that it's not like, I'm like, when people say they don't like baseball, I'm like, do you think baseball is football or bat? Like, I don't understand why people don't like it. I I would argue that baseball is going the wrong way in trying to modernize the sport and like do social media stuff. I would go the exact opposite way and lean into all of the weird, dumb things like the unwritten rules and the super old traditions. I would go further into that. I'd make the games longer. I'd reduce the size of the fan base, but make them absolute diehards, people that just live and die by baseball. And I mean, that would probably melt their fan base down to just all white people. But I think that's <laughs> that's the way the league should go. Uh, I don't
1: disagree that baseball should lean into their weirdness because there is so many weird unwritten rules. And, like, occasionally you'll see, like, one uh, Twitter account that always alerts people when, like, a position player is pitching at the end of a blowout. Right, right. More stuff like that. But, like, they are – it is this, like, battle between old and new because, like, you'll see – fans getting very upset for some reason when, like, a young, exciting player like Ronald Acuna Jr. does a backflip. Right. Right. And I think it all boils down to just racism on that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, these guys are making it so exciting. They're turning this moment that should be exciting on, like, face level into, like, the coolest thing you could do. Like, confidence. Like, you can't really do that in basketball other than, like, a crazy dunk that you're, like, holding onto the rim or holding, right. like, keeping your, like, follow-through. Like, this is, like, saying you know you just hit a ball 400 feet is <laughs> so fucking cool, and they don't lean
0: into it. Yeah, it's like when Javi Baez, does Javi play? Who does Javi play for now? He's on the Tigers now, but he wasn't mad. I love him. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Uh, I didn't know if he was still there. When, but when Javi Baez, that clip of Javi Baez, I think he's playing for Puerto Rico at the time. Uh, In like that international baseball tournament, when he uh, when someone tries to steal and the catcher throws down to Baez and he starts pointing back at the catcher before he even lays the tag. That is so ice cold. I absolutely love it. Yes. More of that. I do think I think like I think baseball
1: players have more swagger than they have ever had, because I feel like in like the 60s and 70s, everyone was like you know, kind of just a uh, super right wing guy. Occasionally, like they would be against like the the Vietnam draft, but that's as political (laughs) as they got. They're very much like a haircut. And now everyone's kind of fucking cool and awesome. And it's never been younger. It's never been more exciting. The best player is Mike Trout, who is just a haircut. That's right. Uh, But like
0: (laughs) put the young, exciting people in the forefront. And I guarantee like baseball will grow. Yeah, I love it when people talk about Mike Trout because everyone like uniformly that knows baseball and is a fan of baseball goes, Mike Trout is so good. You have no idea how good Mike Trout is. Mike Trout will go unappreciated until he retires, and you can put his career in historical context. And I go, I know who Mike Trout is. I could pick Mike Trout out of a crowd, but I don't know that I've ever seen Mike Trout play a baseball game. Oh, man. He's – I mean – he's
1: exciting like he is the boxiest guy like he just feels like he's kind of made of meat right but he's super fast (laughs) he's a great fielder and he just like you know he he's so powerful and he does things that like haven't he's like mickey mantle on like actual steroids but like i don't think he's on steroids uh yeah he's just a freak but like i mean like yeah like shohei otani too is like so it's exhilarating what he does
0: yeah, he's a blast. We, uh, we uh, in the Asian community, really appreciate Shohei. Uh, now, Sean, we met when we were both hired to be writers at the sports show with Norm Macdonald on Comedy Central. What do you remember about that show? Oh, my God. What don't I remember? What a
1: formative moment in my life. Really? Uh, I mean... It
0: was both of our first TV writing jobs, correct?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was... I remember being way more into the fact that I was writing for a dorm than I was about writing for about sports. Yeah, because they also put us on during that weird period where it was like just about to be the playoffs or the beginning of baseball.
0: So, like, there's no real news stories breaking in the (laughs) playoffs. That's right. And no one's sports fans are not watching for comedy. They're just watching the playoffs.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, like, (laughs) I remember writing a ton of jokes about the NFL draft. And (laughs) then I remember our office mate, Doug, almost dying. And that's basically my memories. Uh, Good memories.
0: Uh, I mean...
1: It was insane, though. The writing staff was so crazy. I mean, like, we have, like, Steve O'Donnell, the creator of the top ten list, Jeff Martin, like, Letterman, and then, like, original Simpsons writer. Yeah. Sid Youngers, who, like, you know, murdered his wife. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> I, at Nora's Memorial, I sat with Doug Perkins, and we were, like, yeah. looking to see if Sid Youngers was there. And then, like... Uh, I had the realization that Sid Younger probably wouldn't show up because Norm was the person who started the rumor that he <laughs> murdered his wife. <laughs> you don't go to that guy's memorial.
0: <laughs> it really was a murder's row of a TV's writer's room and then on the opposite end of the spectrum it's f- f- fucking morons, like kid morons, like me and you. <laughs> I don't know if I ever told you this story, Sean. Did I ever tell you that um, Gibbons, the showrunner, called me into his office. I mean, we're deep into the season. He called me into his office and goes, hey, Norm needs you to talk more because he says you're always just sitting in the room and, like, looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> Did I ever tell you that story? No, no. I, I mean, I was always terrified to pitch. I was just... I, I thought... I think... I mean, I don't... I was, yo- I was younger, and I didn't know what I was doing, but I really, really um respected norm as a comedian and i thought he was so funny and i thought everything that i ever came up with was not funny enough for him and so i was paralyzed by fear and rejection and never pitched anything
1: oh my god i mean truly the scariest situation of all time because norm was my hero yeah and like i remember very specifically like the first week he like came into the bathroom and was like trying to talk to me and i just like washed my hands really quick and I left without, because I didn't know how to talk to him. And then I started getting, like, my sea legs and I remember one time after, like, a table read, uh, he was reading a joke and I'm like, I actually think the joke would be funnier this way because I had oh my confidence. God. Oh my confidence, God. which was, this was actually a formative experience to me and ruined my confidence for the rest of my life. But, like, he goes, yeah, I'm going to take advice from a guy who's been doing comedy for ten minutes. <laughs>
0: he when i when i wrote for the pilot i i was this was my first tv show thing ever right and so i'm there and it's like day two or three he comes up to me at towards the end of the day he and daniel came up to me at the end of the day the other executive producer come up to me at the end of the day and go do you want to go get dinner with us and i thought this will make me look good if I say, no, I have work. And I did have work. I had work to do. But I thought if I say no and say I'm too busy, which was not really true. I mean, I could have made the time, obviously. I was like, this will make me look good. So I went, oh, I'm so sorry I'm busy. You know, I, I need to finish this stuff. And they were like, oh, Okay. And they leave, and I go home, and I'm thinking about it nonstop from the second they leave the office. Nonstop. It's just pouring over my head, over and over and over and over, him asking their response, my answer. Did I say it right? What should I have said? I'm not questioning the decision. I'm going, how should I have positioned this? I go home. I tell my wife this story. My wife looks me dead in the face and goes, what are you doing? (laughs) They asked you to dinner, and you said no? And I was like, oh, I just instantly crumbled, and I was like, That was a bad decision, right? And she she was like, what are you, Neil, what are you doing? And I felt so stupid that I... The whole rest of the night, I was like, oh, my God. I was like going through the scenario of what could I have said that would have gotten me out but not been a, a dismissal of their invite? Could I have gone? What, would, what could I have said if, as we sat down to dinner? What could I have made small talk about <laughs> in case it gets asked again? I'm thinking about the entire night. I go to work the next day. I get there early thinking if I get to the office early, I can get ensconced in work. And then they won't come up to me and talk to me because they'll see how busy I am. I get to work early. And who gets to work early that day? Norm. I'm guessing there's one other person or two other people in the office. He's right outside of my office in, like, the kitchenette area getting himself some coffee. And the other person in the office walks into that kitchenette, again, right outside my door, and says to Norm, Hey, Norm, how was your night? And he goes, "Uh, uh, It was good. I, uh, I asked Neil to go to dinner with me. And he said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I just was like barking from, the, I was like, hold on, wait, I listen, hold on. <laughs> and and I never, I never really recovered from that moment forward. I put him too high and I just couldn't deal with him as a human. I just, I couldn't do it. You, on the other hand, went on to have a long lasting friendship Including opening for him on stand up dates all over the country for years. I contend that means he approved of you and your comedy and thinks you were terribly funny. How does that feel to get that blessing?
1: Oh, it felt amazing. Like, truly, like opening for Norm was like a true dream come true. However, opening for Norm is the exact reason why it's uh, so easy to not put him on a pedestal anymore. (laughs) Because I I spent uh, like, uh every minute of our right. like road trip with him right, right. almost being a handler. Right. So I'm like, oh this is great. Like I I now realize that what I don't want to be when I'm in like my fifties. <laughs> 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 yeah. Like he's the greatest guy. He's so funny and he's always funny, but like the fact that I had to like hold his credit card. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs>
0: sean as we started talking about you being on the show we were debating between two moments we were debating debating between bobby valentine's mustache which we're going to talk about in a moment and also you brought up another moment to me that i was unfamiliar with and i'd like you to talk about it now the vince coleman firecracker incident yeah so
1: basically uh the vince coleman was a met. uh pretty much at the worst time to be a Met fan. Like the early nineties, it was like right after like the, the great eighties teams. Right. right. And like, they, they just sucked. And Vince Coleman was like an all-star that came from St. Louis and they had like a terrible game against the Dodgers and uh, not great. And probably Dodger fans. Like, I don't know if you've ever been around them, but they love shit talking. They love (laughs) being like completely brutal to uh, uh, like uh, opposing teams. They must have said something because he was leaving. I'm exonerating Vince Coleman from this, but he was as he was leaving the game, uh, he lit a firecracker and then <laughs> threw it at the fan base, or uh, the fans who are waiting outside, like the uh, like the gate to get autographs. and He just threw a lit like, firecracker at them, which I just think of fucking rules that he did that. <laughs>
0: i like calling them firecrackers i think that's funnier and it it, for some reason also feels more explosive to me like a firework i don't know i'm like thinking like sparklers and stuff a firecracker feels like something that's that goes boom yeah
1: i don't know how like it must have been I mean, like, he's a, a, a team, like on the visiting team. So I don't know why he has firecrackers in <laughs> yeah. his, like, rental car. But he had them. And he threw... And, like, the bad part is he did, you know, injure a, uh, a woman and two children. <laughs> that is where I think the story kind of, like, he loses some of the sympathy. Right. But, like, come on, this guy... Getting injured by an all-star baseball player? That's pretty good.
0: I looked it up quickly, and I just saw one article, an article that was very telling. I'm not pleased about this article. This article details that Eric Davis, legendary Cincinnati Red Eric Davis, who must have also played for the Mets at that time, which I don't remember. I don't remember Vince Coleman or Eric Davis playing for the Mets. Uh, Eric Davis is the one who cooperated with the police on this. Eric Davis gave up Vince Coleman quote. Yeah. He threw a firecracker out of a car. He didn't throw a firecracker in a crowd of people. Okay. He's parsing that whatever. Uh, The article goes on. Davis said there were hecklers in the gathering and that was what not, but, but that was not why Coleman tossed the explosive quote. Why do people throw firecrackers? Davis asked. Everybody throws firecrackers. The guy, <laughs> the guy Coleman had a firecracker and threw it six feet from my car. We were laughing about
1: it as we drove away. Yeah, I do think Eric Davis might have been on the Dodgers at the time, uh, and they're, I see. they're like they they were also like out. yeah they were hanging out. Uh, but an interesting thing that I just found out, you know, who uh, defended Vince Coleman in uh, court? Robert Shapiro.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It all
1: goes back Bob to your Shapiro. first ballot Hall of Famer, O.J. Simpson. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the article finishes, the firecracker did not belong to Davis, which, again, he's like writing this guy out and he goes, it's not my firecracker. Uh, Davis said, uh, and he could not determine, Davis could not determine the type of firecracker. Sources said it was an M-80 or a cherry bomb. Those are very funny because growing up in my head, I'm like everyone like knows someone that like blew off fingers, yeah, like lighting up right. Every that's that's like a kid thing that you're very afraid of, like an M80. Like the, that, that 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 that's a firecracker that uses like the the skew name. You know what I mean? That you know someone that blew their hand off or their fingers off, and so you live in fear of that. You're like you you never want to screw around with an M80. That's like a bomb. To think that Vince Coleman threw an M80 out of a car—I mean, my God! At a woman and her two children. If you like Google, what M80s look like,
1: it, picture a, a stick of dynamite, and that's like kind of like a hot dog. And then the M80 is kind of like the cocktail weenie of dynamite sticks. They're they're short and stubby, but yeah, they pack. A, they're basically dynamite.
0: Good job, Vince. Let's get into our moment. To do that, to assess the Bobby Valentine mustache moment, to decide whether it goes into the first belt Hall of Fame, we have to go through our Hall of Fame credentials. Those are the categories by which we judge every moment. We'll take them one by one. Sean, the first credential is analytics. People love stats. Here are some stats behind this moment in game. The Bobby Valentine mustache happened during a 14-run game that the Mets ended up winning in the 14th on a Ray Ordonez sack fly off Dan Plesak. They won the game four to three that season. They ended up going the Mets 97 and 66 won the division series, but lost the in the NLCS to the Braves. As far as Mets seasons go, that seems pretty great. It was, yeah, it was a great season. A few weeks before this game, three coaches were fired and at a press conference, Bobby Valentine said that they would go 40 and 15 in the next 55 games And the Mets ended up doing that. So they had a great season. They had these loss of the coaches. And and Bobby Valentine says, as you heard at the top of the show, Bobby Valentine said he did some of this for levity, this, this mustache stuff. He did it for a good time to make the players happy and laugh. Are any of those stats in there, do any of those stats, Sean, give this a better case, a better chance of making the first Bell Hall of Fame?
1: Yes. And the reason why is uh, I think like in any magic season, which I think in like uh, any sports is a playoff season, like right. unless you're like a perennial uh, favorite, like, you know, like your Patriots or your Lakers or something right. like that. Right. Like, Thank you. Yeah, of course. I mean, like those like well-run franchises right. uh, don't have magic seasons, right. but like like steps stepsisters which i believe was the met the mets are the stepsister of the yankees like we have magic seasons and right. like you need like team coming together in those moments and what better way than having like your manager who at that time like the 90s baseball managers all seem like old men like right. everyone like your j jim Leyland's, your sparky anderson's they're, like, old guys who just look like they smoke four packs a day. And Bobby <laughs> Valentine, you know, he is—he did kind of reinvent himself as, like, a clown prince a little bit with this move. He did, he did. Yeah, so, like, and, like, if you look at Bo- Bobby Valentine, he kind of has, like, a Pat Riley quality to him where he's, like, as tan as the devil. Right. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, so for him to do something that silly, like, you do not expect that out of him. So I do think, like... It's good for the, I think it's good for his case.
0: You contend that Bobby Valentine pulling this prank, so to speak, if I might use that term, brought the team together, bonded them, raised their chemistry, and ended up resulting in a season that by Mets standards was special.
1: Yes, 100%. Because I think that is like truly like, yeah, there's always, every sports movie has the moment where like, shit gets real and then the right. kid, they all remember that they're just playing a game this is <laughs> this is that moment this is their them
0: signing a 12 year old ticket throw 101 miles per hour <laughs> the next credential is the eye test sean what did you see in this moment as you've rewatched the play as you've rewatched the moment what did you see in this moment that may add to the moment's brilliance I mean, what it, I, as a little kid, I remember this moment, like,
1: watching it live. And all me and, like, my uncle, who uh, is a very serious man, thought it was the funniest thing ever <laughs> that, like, Bobby Valentine uh, would do this. And then, like, going back and, like, looking at it, it's become a sort of a meme. Right? Uh, like, you, you see it all the time. But, like, when I've been, like, staring at it uh, in preparation of this, I'm like, it's, like, not even the funniest combination. Like, in my head, it was
0: way funnier.
1: <laughs> also, like, why, do they, why did they have a fake mustache?
0: In- that's the thing. I listened to some interviews. That's going to be what I mentioned. The mustache, obviously, is very funny. And if you look at it on those old cameras and the, sort of the frame that you remember that's now the meme that gets repurposed and used all the time – you look at him with that mustache, it's a very funny mustache. What I found out in listening to Bobby Valentine talk about it, what he used for a mustache was the the eye black stickers that go under each eye. Oh. He's got two eye black stickers on to create that mustache.
1: Oh, that's that's incredible. That's like kind of like exactly what Groucho Marx did except <laughs> that's he right. just
0: yeah, he just all like, used like shoe polish. It's. I think it's additive to the moment. To be resourceful, to find something like that—that that is a very sort of you know stereotypical baseball thing—that eye black, those little eye black strips, and to repurpose them and use them as a mustache—I think is smart and cagey. I do appreciate that. I also think, as I watch it, the camera work from the production team—the camera finds Bobby in the dugout. Yeah before anyone knows it's not like the the announcers are like uh wait a minute hold on let me get my binoculars out do i see bobby valentine down there the cameras find him in the back and stay on him until the announcers notice i think that
1: is exactly going back to what you were saying is like the, the camera crew unsung, heroes, unsung of, heroes i mean truly like the mets just got a new director and it shows like they are like missing uh, like everything right now and it actually is it makes for a very frustrating watch because they're just not tracking the ball as well as they used right, to. Right, right. But like, yeah, that is just great camera work. That is great direction to find
0: a guy hiding in the <laughs> dugout. He's trying to stay off camera. So to to spot him, whoever spotted him, whoever found him must have radioed up and been like, hey, I think Bobby Valentine's back there with a the mustache on. And the the entire booth must have been like, you're putting me on and just looked at the monitors and been like, oh, shit, that is like it must have been so much fun to spot him as a production team uh, getting ready to put him on, on television. That must have been a blast.
1: It's also so funny to me because he took off his uniform, but he's right. still completely dressed in Mets gear
0: (laughs) (laughs) I would have preferred he go to another level with it like it's the the glasses the mustache the hat the like nondescript hat I like all of those things the Mets t-shirt sticks out I wish he had done something else I also wish he had not crossed his arms in the dugout because it just felt like a Bobby Valentine move to be back there sort of swaying back and forth with his arms crossed. I, I wish he went to the next level to hide it even more. But I I do respect what he did. It's, it was a tremendous moment.
1: Yeah, it's a tremendous moment. But yeah, I think like to, to defend him a little bit is like. Baseball is not that funny. And like yes. this is the funniest possible way You're right. he could have done that. Like
0: I mean, in his mind, was putting on sunglasses <laughs> and eye black as a mustache. To, to that point, very funny. You mentioned your uncle laughing. We're, we're moving on to the ear test. What did you hear? To me, there are rich. There's rich laughter coming from um, both broadcast booths, both ESPN's and I presume the sort of Mets local team. Let's listen to those together. So it'll be Henderson, Alfonso, and remember now, the pitcher is in the third slot with John Olerud having been replaced as part of a double switch. Bobby Valentine, the dugout. Wait. (laughs) Give me that again. (laughs) Well, Bobby was thrown out on that catcher's interference call, and he's gone incognito. I love good laughs. That guy's got a good laugh. I also love that moment, that moment of realization when they hear like you can just imagine working that job and seeing this on the monitor in front of you and just just losing control for a moment as you notice that this guy is trying to sneak back into the game wearing a mustache. It must have been a blast.
1: I mean, that's the the beauty of I I uh the Mets booth uh back then and even now, I think they've always hired like people who are just like good at talking. This is Howie Rose, who I love, like one of my absolute favorite uh baseball people ever. But yeah, that guy has the best sense of humor. If you follow Howie Rose on Twitter, this dude just randomly on a Saturday is just like tweeting Elaine Boozler and like Paul of Poundstone <laughs> jokes.
0: The guy yeah. so of course he's gonna love this. Like <laughs> here's Charlie Steiner from ESPN. <laughs> That is not Groucho Marx. That would have been the the manager of the New York Mets. Baseball is a uh, tragically unfunny sport. And for that reason, this does stick out. Yes, of course. I mean, like,
1: listen, like, filling three hours of air with conversation, you are waiting for those moments. You're waiting for anything. Like, and I think a lot of times it's like, Either, like, somebody drunk in the crowd and they're going to, like, all jump on that. Like, uh, like my, one of my favorite sports moments ever, but I do think Bobby Valentine's so much better than this, is one time in San Francisco, the camera crew was filming this dude hitting on a woman in a boat. Mm. Like, right on, because they're, <laughs> like, it's right, right on the water and there's a boat outside, like, mm. waiting to pick up home runs. And Keith Hernandez, like, out of nowhere just goes he doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> like, they left. They left for the full inning. of <laughs> And I'm like, that is that. Uh, that's why I like watching baseball is those
0: little moments. It's, it's, it's such a lovely, like I love baseball because you go to a game or even watch television, but really when you go, you just go to a game, and it's this lovely thing that's in the in the background, and you can have a great conversation with someone, you're out, you're in the sun, you're eating a dog, you're hanging out with a buddy, you're talking, and then every once in a while you can peer over and watch this amazing game with these great athletes. It's just like a lovely setting, and I like, I like the length of baseball games. I, I don't personally feel the need to speed it up. I like those sort of down moments, and those moments where... Keith Hernandez can rip a dude in half uh, <laughs> yeah. on a boat trying to pick up a woman. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The next credential, burning questions. These are the questions left unanswered that I I need an answer to. Maybe these answers will lead to helping this moment get into the first Bell Hall of Fame. What else do you think about when you think of Bobby Valentine? Now, you're a Mets fan. I am not. When you say to me, Bobby Valentine, I go mustache, and that's it. Well, yeah, I think for me, like Bobby Valentine – I'll,
1: basically, when I think of him, I think of his time with the Mets, of course. Uh, I also know, like, when he came over, he was coming from Japan, so he was kind right. of, like... It was, like, right at the... They were talking about how he's, like, revolutionized the the game of Japanese baseball, and he's going <laughs> to use some of those techniques uh, in America. It did not really work out. They never won the World Series with him. But, like, the other thing I think of is him running for mayor of Stanford because that just, that just happened. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, like he lost. Um, of course. The, the idea that he ran for mayor of Stanford and right. they used to show his commercials during Met games. And then like, he also like came on to a game last season and talked about his, oh my like gosh. his and, campaign, uh, his campaign. And like, I was like, Oh, I wonder if like Bobby Valentine was going to be like, what is his political style? And then I'm like, oh, of course he's kind of (laughs) like an old white guy guy running for mayor in the town next to Greenwich, Connecticut. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I don't think he's fighting for the poor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Bobby. Uh, The next credential, Twitter fingers. These now Twitter didn't exist. This is when usually we, when we have this, this, this credential, we usually look at tweets about the moment. Now, Obviously this took place way before Twitter. So what I'd like to do is just run through some great Sean O'Connor Mets tweets. Are you ready for these? Uh, Sure. On April 1st, 2021, uh, a new story came out. The Mets have agreed to a 10 year $341 million contract extension with Francisco Lindor. You tweeted, this is the most excited I've ever been for a season. Lindor has only played 20 games that don't matter for the Mets, and I would take a bullet for him. The Mets are going to win the World Series this year. Four days later, during a game against the Phillies, you tweeted, (laughs) I don't want to be overly dramatic, but the Mets are breaking my heart, and I want to die. (laughs) (laughs) Two innings after that, you tweeted. Update, the Mets freaking rock. <laughs> and an in after that tweet, once more you tweeted, update the Mets are ruining my life and I hate baseball again. <laughs> that sounds right. I mean, I feel
1: like I feel like every game gives me I shouldn't live tweet games because it does.
0: <laughs> what does this say about us? I feel like and by the bye. I feel this way a lot about the Lakers. I get very angry at my team. And by the by the Lakers are historically very successful. And I still feel this way. What does this say about us that we react this way that we put these things, these things out publicly? What does it say about our mental health? Don't you feel immature when you hear tweets like this and you go, wait a minute, these are things I'm like putting out. Maybe your son sees this as he grows older. Well, how does this make you feel when you hear these tweets? I mean, I was kind of horrified
1: because I like I I do I do remember how excited I was when they signed Francisco Lindor. It was like a great moment. And then yeah, the, the whole season was such a disaster that like to know that happened four days later, I'm like, oh wow, yeah, it really was a bummer. I do wonder though, yeah, I feel immature. I I do wonder if it's like a thing of like why we feel this way is like something to do with like control because you have no control over sports. None. But then in like, I like being in control of things. I I don't, I'm not going to speak for you, but like, I mean, like you are a King showrunner, So
0: I mean, like you must love (laughs) some sort of control. No, I, I get it. I, I, I always, when I get into those moments, I go, why do I have so much wrapped up in this sports team that truly just could not care less about me? Like, if I went to to the Lakers and I was like, I have been a fan for decades, since I was a child. You guys are the only thing I care about. I've got pennants on the wall. I've got posters. I've got VHS championship tapes. I've got championship DVDs. I've got all the T-shirts, the hats, everything. I bought a leather Lakers jacket when I was in high school with uh, newspaper money could you could i come to this game for free they'd go no they literally close the door in my face they don't care about us and i'm not i'm not blaming the lakers here that's every sport team and yet here we are like living and dying by them tweeting these public things that sound very desperate and sad and and to that end i want to keep reading some tweets of yours i really enjoy (laughs) these (laughs) you mentioned you were horrified buckle up sean you tweeted My dream was going to a doubleheader, and I accomplished that tonight. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that the New York Mets would potentially lose both games. (laughs) (laughs) You tweeted again. You wrote, at this point, I think it would be a lot easier for my mental health if the Mets just hit me in the dick with (laughs) – If the Mets. I think it would be easier for my mental health if the Mets just hit me in the dick with a bat every day rather than make me watch this shit. Here's the next one. I made it to the second day of this fake season before the Mets took a shit on my heart. <laughs> Not bad. It took until June 22nd, but the Mets finally have made me wish I was dead this season. And one more. Being a Mets fan is like being Mr. Belvedere and sitting on your balls every single day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I, I know exactly
1: where I was mentally when I was tweeting all that. And yet I'm so upset that when we're filming this or recording this, the Mets are uh, snowed out in Colorado. I wish they were playing.
0: <laughs> Uh, there there is one. There's one last one I really enjoy. Also, everyone should follow Sean on Twitter at Sean O'Conn's with a Z. Uh one of my favorite tweets, and one of my favorite Mets tweets of yours that I found, because it really lands on me, is the Mets are kind of like pizza. When they're good, it's so good. And when they're bad, it's like, why did I do this to myself? I just ruined my whole fucking day. That I told <laughs> when you get pizza, when you get something delicious that you're really looking forward to, and then you get it and it's bad, you're like, God damn it. Like this was the thing I was looking forward to tonight. And it just got ruined. And now this like threw off the whole thing. And you're like, why did I do this? And it just has this way of dampening your spirits. And I completely get that. That totally landed on me. There's one more tweet. I want to read. This did not land on me. It is the Mets might let me down year after year, but no mascot in sports has a more fuckable wife. (laughs) Yeah. That one I do not approve of that does not land on me. I don't like it, yeah, I listen. I get
1: it. There is just this running joke on Met's Twitter about how thick Mrs. Met is, <laughs> <laughs> and it's 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 from beginning to end. everyone's kind of gotten on board with it ever like there was a whole. Like one of our pitchers in the past who left the team this year, Noah Syndergaard, used to uh, constantly trash talk Mr. Matt about how he was sleeping with his wife on Twitter. <laughs> like even the players were getting involved in it. So I'm like, I, I, I get that it's not for you because she has a big baseball head, but it's, it's what's underneath.
0: <laughs> the next credential is our test of time. This is when we compare our moment against other moments like it. Other, to me, when I think about a coach getting kicked out of a game or ejected out of a baseball game, I, they, everyone always brings up Bobby V. That's, to me, a huge part of what makes this great is its its ability to transcend the year that it happened and become the ejected baseball manager thing. And, again, any coach thing. Um, Leo DeRocher, famous baseball cheater. Mm-hmm. There's a piece in The New York Times when Leo DeRocher managed the New York Jets. He was ejected from the game at Pittsburgh got dressed, went up to the Forbes Field press box and sat behind someone named Barney Kremenko of the New York Journal-American, said to Barney, you're giving the signs to my team. Kremenko said, I don't know the signs. And DeRocher said, just do what I tell you to do. Apparently, DeRocher then gave signs to his team through this writer. The writer was apparently giving them from the press box to the third base coach. As the story goes, Kremenko scratched his nose, DeRocher yelled, what are you doing? That Apparently that was the sign for stealing, and the New York Giant was thrown out right after that play. Uh, that's the only sort of great coach being ejected story I can see. It's good. I don't know how real it is. Compare that against Bobby Valentine and his mustache
1: sean. Exactly. So this story that you just told me about Leo DeRoscher, I I feel like, especially because a journalist is in the is the other right. character. Right. right. I feel like there's a lot of printing the lie. Yes, there. right. It's it's too it's too clean. It's I, I I have trouble trusting that. Now, with Bobby V, this happened in what nineteen ninety nine. Right. If it happened while Twitter was around then, Ugh. it would have been like, everyone would have been posting night, their night. memes all, all, night, night all night long. All night long. People still use it in memes right. today. Right. So like, this is like 23 years later. There's It's, it's the quintessential, it it's the best manager ejection because it's not violent. It's not like crazy cursing and stuff like how everything else has happened in baseball. Right. Right. It doesn't involve any brawls. It's just silly. Right. And it's a great moment for the game. It's like one of the top five silliest things that has ever happened in baseball.
0: I totally agree with you. The next credential is the X factor. What's the unknown thing? You know what an X factor is. I don't need to explain this. What's the X factor in this moment? Is there anything that raises the chances of this thing making the first bell of Hall of Fame? Sean, do you have anything? I've got something I want to pitch you, but I want to hear if you have something first. Okay. My X factor in this moment is... Bobby Valentine
1: is an Italian man and Italian men are not known for being very clever. <laughs> <laughs> I love they're you not, going
0: after Italian guys right yeah, now. I love it.
1: Listen, grew up in New Jersey. Like they were very mean to me, they're, but like not in a very, yes. uh, not in a very clever way. And they're not, they never, they always take themselves. I mean, I, I'm not going to say all Italian people <laughs> playing, but like, <laughs> they take themselves kind of seriously, especially like those in professional sports. Right. And like for Bobby Valentine to kind of be silly. Right. With his like team that like, you know, like are all just trying to win, especially right. if like all coaches are getting <laughs> fired. This moment, that's his X factor is like it's the unexpected. Like it is 100% him
0: kind of self-deprecating himself yes. to do yeah. something funny. That's a great point. That's a great point. It's not It's not my X Factor. It is a great point. The thing I want to pitch you is that I love that the players are all in on this. Now, now stay with me for a second. You know those videos where you watch the dude and he's trying to, like, bounce the ball off the, like, three cans of Pepsi before it falls in a cup, and they yeah. just keep trying and trying, and then they make it, and the dude goes nuts? I mm-hmm. love those videos – for a couple of reasons. First off, they fucking rip. They're awesome and they're really cool. Yeah, but I, but I, <laughs> but I really love them because it's it's kind of like a universal truth. Guys like dumb shit. It's unifying. <laughs> it's nice to know that despite all of our differences, we do agree as animals that like dumb shit, like throwing ping pong balls off of Pepsi cans or whatever it is. That we all like that. We all get it. We watch that and we go, oh, that was awesome. I like that we all get it. And I feel like the dudes in that dugout, the dudes on that team, saw Bobby doing this and were like, I'm fucking in like, this is so great. I want to like run interference. Like oral Hershiser sitting in the dugout, trying to block him. Other guys are like creating some motion and energy to maybe throw off the fact that he's back there with the mustache. Robin Ventura apparently gave him the sunglasses and the hat. I just love that. They're in on it. It's like a caper. There's like a hijinks going on and they're all in on it. That's like a unifying thing that dudes like. And I love seeing that in this moment.
1: Dude, I'm with you. That is, that's perfect. That I, I, I completely agree with you. That is the X factors. The team was on board, and like Oral Hershiser, yes, not a, not a fun guy. No, like, he
0: looks like like a devout, like pious Mormon. Yeah, yeah, he's very Mormon. Right, and
1: like, I mean, like a fake mustache <laughs> is very Mormon comedy. But like, <laughs> let's ignore that. This is great that he did that. Like, uh, yeah, I'm with
0: you. Well, I love that we're coming after Mormons and Italians in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Sean and I get on the mic. Look out. No, I, I completely agree with you. Like Oral Hershizer looks like he's never had a fun day in his life. And when he gets <laughs> the call to run interference for Bobby Valentine, he's like, oh, my God, they're like calling my number. Like, I got to go do this. I got to protect my guy. They're all in on this. That is my favorite part of this moment by a mile. Yes, uh, completely
1: agree. I, I'm now on board with your X factor more so than my Italian racism. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, the last the other thing i want to mention pat mahomes father of pat mahomes is the pitcher he's the winning pitcher and was the guy pitching when piazza got called for interference that ended up leading to bobby valentine getting called out pat mahomes father of pat mahomes is the pitcher i think that's very funny and a, a fun little tidbit to add because it's funny to think about genetics it's funny to go Pat Mahomes, the pitcher, was good at throwing things, and then and so it makes sense that his son would also be good at throwing things. And now he's the quarterback of the Chiefs. That's a lot of fun. Sean, what do you think your son will be good at? Because you're good at it. Oh, I mean, uh, probably like you know, cranking off. Uh,
1: but <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I'm good at. Uh, I hope I. He's already kind of silly, so I think like we're 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 going to head towards that like push him push him into comedy so that way he gets like a real good job
0: and doesn't do comedy. Before we move on, I want to do a little game with you. I just came up with it today for you Sean because I knew you were going to be on the show. The game is called baseball names and here's how it works. We each have to take turns coming up with a good baseball name until one of us cannot come up with another or until one of us wins the game as decided by me or until I just stop, I'm still working on the exit strategy for this game, but it's going to be a lot of fun because I love baseball names. Uh, I I uh,
1: love them too. I mean, I will collect baseball cards of players names that are just like silly.
0: Agreed. This is off the top of the dome. Neither of us are prepared. This must be a good baseball names. Nicknames do count. If we as a fan base just presume the nickname is their name, like Magic Johnson, would count because we just call him Magic. That would make his name great name. Irvin Johnson, to me, I don't, I don't care about that name. It's not a great name. But Magic Johnson is a phenomenal name. It's the best name, and that counts because we all call him Magic. That's why I believe Magic Johnson's Magic is the best sports nickname of all time. Total. I mean, Magic Johnson is the greatest name. It's greatest. so crazy that his mom didn't like it, according to that show. <laughs> I'm going to go first. I'm going to say a baseball name, and then you say a baseball name. Okay. All right, here we go. Daryl Strawberry, great name, great, great name. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go uh, with Oil Can Boyd. Oh my god, <laughs> <That's what> I, <laughs> I was literally as I'm like as I'm preparing for this. As I start, I'm like running through names, and I'm like, Oil Can Boyd is such a great name, and it is a nickname that you completely accept as his first name. I presume everyone in his life referred to him as Oil Can. Uh, that's a great name, great answer, <laughs> yeah. Sean. Uh, Tim Tuffel. New York, Tim Duffel. yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: you know, current current uh, first base coach for the St. Louis Cardinals,
0: Stubby clap uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's real, but I, I'm going to go with it. It's real. <laughs> what about Jeff Bagwell? Oh, great name. Great name. You see his face and the, the facial hair, the his batting stance. Uh, Catfish Hunter. Great name, of course, of course, Catfish Hunter. Uh, okay, hold on. I'm enjoying yours, and it's uh, uh, Chet Lemon. Ooh, that's <laughs> I know Chet Lemon one... was like a he was like a favorite player of my brother. So I'm, now I'm really pulling on like familial ties, which is I'm in I'm in a world of hurt here in this game. I mean, I only know this because I own 12
1: of his baseball cards. Uh, rusty Cunts. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Lou Whitaker. Does that count? Ooh, Is that a good that, name? That's a good name. It's, okay. it's
0: yeah. I, uh, no more Garcia Parra. Oh, that's great. It's great. I'm having a real hard time. Uh, uh, um, oh, Candy Maldonado. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> Uh, Goose Gossage Goose Gossage of course That's a great answer Let's tie the game right there Great game Great game of baseball yeah, names That's fun I mean,
1: I mean like honestly That is completely uh, What that There was somebody
0: Who like tweeted about how, I, was like, gonna, I was gonna <laughs> reference The same thing I'm sorry to jump in Finish your thought But I was gonna do The exact same thing
1: No yeah no It was just the tweet About how like Guys just love Naming
0: athletes <laughs> <laughs> it is, It's the most fun It's <laughs> like, the it funnest it's the funnest I thought about the exact same thing that tweet is so funny and when I read it I go I'm laughing and I'm laughing because I'm like yeah you know how many times I've just ripped through old baseball names or old hockey players it's just so much fun
1: it's so much fun I mean like I was very excited to just say Mickey (laughs) Mordini.
0: another great name (laughs) Kent Herbeck okay the next the next credential is the cosign Sean, the floor is yours. Should the Bobby Valentine fake mustache make the first bout Hall of Fame and why? Yes.
1: Yes, it should. Because, listen, like baseball as a sport is very stuck up, waspy, like it feels very you know, like, northeast and, you right. know, very white. It feels yes. white. Yes. And with whiteness comes, like, rules. It comes with pressed jerseys. <laughs> and, like, I think, like, uh, even, like, the whole idea of a manager being, an el- like, an elder statesman of the sport wearing the same uniform as his players is ridiculous. And no one talks about how ridiculous that right. is. Right. So when you add the fact that this manager is thrown out of the game defending his team mm-hmm. and that he still comes back with with eye black as a mustache, this guy who probably, like, all of his jokes start with, like, a Jew walks into the bar. Like, like this is, like, not a funny guy. And he does this in 1999 before, like, social media and all that. And it is still a lasting meme. Yeah. It... It proves to me that this is a Hall of Fame moment.
0: Great answer, Sean. The next category, the next credential is the induction speech. It's where I, Neil, get to decide the fate of this moment. I and I alone, as the proprietor of the First Bell Hall of Fame, get to decide whether Bobby Valentine's mustache gets in. I want to be honest with you. I don't find this moment devious enough. I want to believe that Bobby Valentine came up with this cockamamie plan because he believed he was the difference between winning and losing. I want Bobby Valentine to have made a coaching decision that ended up impacting this game. I want there to have been a pinch hitter. I want there to be a pitching change. I want this moment to matter. The truth is he came, he stood back there, he got caught on camera. Hilariously funny, great joke, great bit. An enduring visual. But it didn't matter to the game. It didn't matter to the sport. I'm taking this very seriously, everyone, because the first bout Hall of Fame is a very serious thing. This isn't some fucking just a goddamn podcast. (laughs) This is like, this is history. This is forever. (laughs) Now, let's get serious here. To me, when I think about this moment, I don't think about the context or the story behind it. I think about one thing. I think about that single image we all know and love of a man wearing stickers on his face, As a pretend mustache, that picture of Bobby V is about hijinks. (laughs) I think about that image, and I remember that this is a caper. It's about Bobby hiding from the authorities, getting one over on the man, and he did it. Bobby didn't make a change that decided that game, but he didn't get caught that night, and that's important. It should be celebrated off the strength of that lone image, and because this was so much fun to talk with you about... Bobby Valentine's fake mustache is going in. It's the first bell. Hall,
1: Yeah. Oh my god. I I truly felt like I was going home from American Idol there. Like (laughs) (laughs) you, what a misdirect. Uh I'm so happy for Bobby.
0: It's the truth. I'm being completely serious. Now, usually I think about these moments before, and I have a way I'm leaning. I had such a fun time talking with you. I think you're so funny and you're so much fun to talk to. And I'm just happy. I'm like in a better mood than I was at the beginning of this conversation. <laughs> so I thank you. And Bobby can thank you. We're giving him a plaque in the first bell hall of fame. Congratulations, Bobby Valentine. Wow. That will make up for him losing uh, the mayor of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sean. How can people follow you? What do you have to plug? Tell people,
1: uh, listen, just follow me on Twitter or Instagram. I don't care which one, uh, I have Sean O'Conn's with a Z. Uh, and then, you know, uh watch solar opposites coming to hula season three starts uh in july i wrote it on season four and then watch close enough there's all three seasons are on hbo max
0: and uh let's get apple stocks up <laughs> <laughs> sean you're a special guy i really enjoy talking to you thank you so much for doing this thank you oh sir. my god my pleasure this is great that's it that's the show my thanks to sean o'connor a good friend a great coworker, a fantastic guest First Ballot is edited by the Emmy-winning Roberto Giovanni Arucci. The show is produced by Jessica Sang. Special thanks to Nick Bernstein. And my special thanks to you, the listener. I appreciate your ears. Hope you come back next week for more First Ballot. <laughs> <laughs> that is not Groucho Marx.